This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Jim Schellinger is the Secretary of Commerce for the state of Indiana, serving as a member of Governor Eric Holcomb's cabinet and leading the state's domestic and international economic development. Uh, Jim previously served as president of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation under Governor Mike Pence, and prior to serving the state in his current role, Secretary Schellinger served as the chairman and CEO of CSO Architects. Uh, Secretary Schellinger was appointed by U.S. Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross to serve on the U.S. Investment Advisory Council, where he advises on national strategies and efforts to increase foreign direct investment. Uh, Secretary Schellinger is a graduate of the University of Notre Dame School of Architecture and was appointed to his leadership role with IEDC in August of 2015 after serving two years as a member of the IEDC Board of Directors. So, Jim, your tenure with IEDC has been stellar. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lee. Uh, we know you've had many successes. Uh, one has been more prominent than the next, and uh, I want to get to those perhaps before we finish today. But I really want to talk about um, 2020 uh, because uh, there have been so many things that have changed, and you have been really at the forefront of a lot of the state's activities uh, in dealing with the pandemic and other things. So I want to talk about uh, this year, and then we'll finish up and talking about some of the past successes that you've had in your tenure at IEDC. Uh, so it seems as though that Governor Holcomb has relied upon your council quite a bit during this year, that you've been uh, really in the midst of a lot of the COVID-19 response. So talk a little bit about uh, your role and, and just how uh, this has all evolved through, through the governor's office. Well, Lee, first of all, it's really good to be with you, um, and it's good to be able to communicate with the IDA. Um, uh, you know, that's one of the all-time privileges of this assignment, is getting to know you, getting to know IDA. So um, thank you for allowing me this time with you and your group. The, you know, the interesting thing is a former CEO in the private sector for a long, long time, and now in this assignment, there's some commonalities I learned. And it's, you know, when while on one hand everything's different, everything's really the same. And I, I think, Lee, I, there's probably since March, 5th, March 6th, I was in the governor's office the day he got the first phone call, the first uh, casualty of the COVID-19 virus here in Indiana. And it was a very humbling experience. You know, he takes, he takes credit for nothing as a leader, responsibility for everything, and he takes it personally. And that was the first fatality. Um, and then, of course, the rest, we all, all know how it's gone since then. But I don't think I've ever in my lifetime said the serenity prayer as much as I have since March 6th, uh, to be able to, you know, have the serenity to uh, be able to accept the things we can't change. There's certain things we have to deal with. We just, I mean, we're dealing with a, with a pandemic. We're dealing with not only a health crisis, but an economic crisis and a civil discord crisis. And these are things that we don't have as total control of. So we have to be able to accept certain things. We have to change, right? The courage to change the things we do have control and the wisdom. And this is where I fall short is to know the difference between the two. But, you know, it, it's, I think we're doing, and I know all the Litos and Ritos I'm so proud of. I was able to talk to a group of people the other day, the um, International Center Leadership Group, who I was to educate them about Litos and Ritos. They, uh, one of the persons in that group didn't know what it was. I saw these are the most important economic 
talk about people around the state of Indiana. There's one in every county, and they didn't know that. So I was proud to be able to talk about that, which I wouldn't have been able to do six years ago before I got in this assignment. But I think we're, we're doing a lot of things um, in trying to hang on. Um, you know, we're doing the same things we've done. Uh, one of the things the governor had called upon us to do at IEDC was to become the concierge, so to speak, of the virus. So we right away mobilized, uh, like everyone else, our, most of our team is working from home. But there were six or seven of us that came have come in every day. And uh, he asked us to lead the PPE effort, the personal protection effort. Um, we did that. We bought over 30 million pieces of PPE, and we had five or six people working on it every day. They're still working on it. Opened up the marketplace um, to be able to provide companies 150 and smaller, all free PPE. The governor then asked me if I would co-chair the Indiana Economic Relief and Recovery Task Force, which is an amazing group of people, which we are responsible for the dulling out of the $2.4 billion in the CARES Act, uh, and our first release was $300 million to municipalities, and that being townships and, and cities and counties, to again cover PPE. Uh, so the, the key of this has been making sure that there's a safe environment for people to go to work in. Um, and then uh, the other thing that we've done, too, is a little bit different. Obviously, as you know, I'm not able to travel everywhere um, that I've been able to do, and that face-to-face -face contact is so important. But I've had to do that like we're doing right now. I've had to do that electronically and I've had to do that over the telephone and I've done that diligently. But I think that, uh, and then making sure that all of our small businesses, so vital to the state of Indiana, 85% of our business is small business, making sure they're aware of all the things that are out there for them and all these incentive packages, mainly the per Paycheck Protection Program. That was an amazing program where people could apply for up to $10 million in two weeks pay for their people, to retain their people. And um, it's just been something that I've always uh, wanted to make sure everybody in the state knows about the IDC. Everybody knows about IDA. Um, and I know you deal with this too every day because we're there, we're a resource. Um, our job is to contribute their success. So we've had to change a little bit of the things we're doing and step up into some areas that we've not done before um, in the PPE market. We've had to f figure out how to finance the ventilators, um, the testing and the tracing, contact tracing um, that we're doing th with the health department being uh, funded through IDC. Um, so we've been proud to do that. Um, but all the time we've done that, Lee, we've also had to do the usual thing that we do with businesses and economic development. Well, so there are a couple of things, and, and thank you for your efforts in all of that. Uh, it's, it's been noticed. Um, how do you think, so there's two, two parts to this, but how do you think uh, the, the, the short-term impact on Indiana's economy, what's been the short-term uh, impact as we kind of look around um, and, and figure out how we're going to move forward? Well, the short-term impact, without question, was the closure of non-essential businesses. Um, you know, the governor, when we talked about, uh, he uh, was discussing how he wanted to title his, uh, which is now the Back on Track program. I thought that was a great reference. It has all that race analogy that we so love in Indiana. But what I loved about it is I've refused to accept the premise that we shut down the economy. Um, uh, we did not do that. Um, we shut down non-essential business as deemed necessary uh, for the health and safety of the community. But we were still, I said, I, Governor, I love the back on track because we've been running laps this whole time and we've never stopped logging in laps. We've done it under yellow flag. And, and yes, we, we've, we've had issues that, you know, it's like, think about that for a second. Lee. If you, I was thinking about that in anticipation of this discussion today. If you think about it, when a racer gets under yellow flag and has to 
use caution when they start the race up again they don't dramatically change their strategy for racing they just continue the race um and there's an analogy there with us and i think that in the end of the day the short-term hit which was really impactful was the unemployment um you know we had so many people filing for unemployment unemployment went up to seven over 17 percent when we were the lowest in the midwest at 3.2 percent and now it's started to calm down to 7.8 um and we still have a lot of jobs to fill but I think the impact that it had on people's jobs and livelihood, especially in the hotel industry, the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, has been absolutely devastating. And, and we know, Lee, uh, to be realistic, they're not all coming back. Um, a lot of these businesses are not coming back at retail stuff. And so we've got to pull together closely. Um, we had a lot of jobs to fill before that. We've gotten a lot of jobs, as you said, in this past year. It's, we're on another record-setting year. We'll talk about it, I guess, at the end. But the bottom line is we have to focus on skills because a lot of these jobs, as you know, are going to require different skill sets uh, than the people that are in need of these jobs have. Well, so, yeah, so that I think you've touched upon two trends that I'm hearing from our members around the state. And, and I'd like you to, to, to maybe touch on both of those. But one is, uh, as I talk to our folks around the state, and I've, uh, I guess part of the advantage you touched upon is I'm not traveling. And so that means that, you know, I may be at one point, but that means instead of traveling two hours to see somebody and two hours back, I'm talking to five or six people a day uh, via virtual many of them are reporting that their pipelines are still very robust in terms of the number of prospects and the number of deals that they're seeing, uh, which, which frankly, when we started having those conversations, I was surprised. So what, so talk a little bit about the fact that the pipeline still seems to be very robust and very full, even during, you know, the time when many things seem to be shut down. Yeah, this is a, a very positive thing that we've seen as well from an overall state level that's impacting all the, the different counties throughout the state and all the municipalities. Um, and we're very fortunate for that. Um, I think that one of the things that, as you know, Lee, before, and I know you're really great in terms of being eyeball to eyeball, people to people, we like that because that's what we do. Um, and there's no way to connect with a customer better than being right with them. And we have to make do with what we have, uh, obviously, today. Um, but the bottom line is that the business has done really good. Uh, we've had a great year. And I think that what I've attributed that to is businesses have a longer timeline. So when you're talking about a life or death situation, that has to be addressed immediately, which is what everybody's done. Uh, Lee, you know, you got hit and all your members got hit with workforce. That was the number one topic, workforce, workforce, workforce. Then all of a sudden, I say, respectfully, it sort of got moved over to the passenger seat for tariffs and trade barriers. And that became the discussion everywhere I went, uh, around the state, around the country, around the world, everyone wanted to talk about tariffs and the burden of the trade barriers. And, and then all of a sudden, the virus hit. And now nobody's talking about tariffs or trade barriers. But I think businesses are planning two, three years out. Now, that's good news. The bad news is, is we've got to work through this pandemic. We need a vaccine. We've got to get through the health crisis, the economic crisis, the civil discord crisis, because um, I think businesses are making decisions counting on that being the case. If we are not able to make progress on that, and I think we've made steady progress, not just as a state, but as a country. If we're not able to make that progress, I think we'll see some people pulling back. And we've seen some people put their projects on hold just to wait for, or they, not, they put the announcement on hold because they don't want to be out there talking about uh, announcing some people are trying to figure out life and death issues. And we respect that totally. But um, I, we've been very, very encouraged by the pipeline. Our pipeline has been very robust. 
And um, we've had over 20,500 job commitments this year and over 3.1 in CapEx. And these are all the people that you represent. And, and so congratulations to them. And it's because of that they've not buckled up. Um, a lot of people working from home, um, but they're still working and they're still making the contacts and they're still doing a great job. And we appreciate that because as goes the Lido Ritos and IDA, as goes IDC in the governor's office. Well, and you touched upon, and, and another surprise, I think, uh, uh, workforce is still a huge issue for, for many of our folks in the local communities, and maybe a little bit differently than, than we would have expected. It seems to me that as I'm talking to our folks in the communities that we're seeing two extremes and not much in the middle. So those people who have skills that are in demand are, are going back to work. And, and in fact, many of those skilled positions uh, still are reporting that they have some gaps that they can't fill. And then you have folks who, who ha have perhaps less desirable skills are the folks that are being left behind. And now the challenge is, how do we get those folks sort of reskilled, upskilled, so that we can get them re-engaged? Uh, so uh, workforce was a big issue before. It's a big issue in the midst of and will be a big issue on the backside. It, but I think the it's changing and that we now have a lot of people who are displaced who may not be easily reabsorbed. So it's going to be a challenge for all of us to figure out how do we remobilize some of those folks who've been displaced and, and need a different skill set which is part of what we were dealing with probably before, but not to the extent that we are right now. That you're spot on on that. Um, and the, the, the good news is we've got the opportunities. That's good. The second piece of good news is we've got the, we've got the methods by which they can get their skills training if they're willing to do so. Um, and the other piece of it is we, the challenge in front of us is making sure people know where to go. Um, so I think those are all the kinds of things we're dealing with right now. Um, as you know, and I'm sure every member of the IDA was, was uh, this was discussed with them from many, many of their clientele, was concerned about the $600 a week in the unemployment insurance and as well as the basic unemployment because that's a $52,000 a year job. And businesses would say, when's that going to end? When's that going to end? Because people aren't, aren't motivated or don't have the incentive to go back to work. So that obviously was discontinued the third week of July. And now the state's going back with a $300 installment per week. But it's still going to hopefully bring people back to work. And I think we just got to get the word out and make sure that everybody knows. And what better way to do it than through IDA is to make sure that the citizens all around the state in every nook and cranny know the where they can go find these skills training. And what many of the businesses are going to do it on the job training, uh, similar to what Subaru did in Lafayette. They moved Ivy Tech into the building uh, and they hired 1,200 people by t doing a, a learn to earn kind of thing, a program where they worked half a day, went to school half a day. Uh, there's going to have to be creative things like that that are going to have to happen. The You Can Go Back program where the state will pay full tuition at Ivy Tech or Vincennes, number one advanced manufacturing college in the, uh, in the country. Um, there's all these things out there, but as you know, a, a constant challenge for us day to day and all your members is making sure people know about them. Um, it, it just like sometimes I, you know, one of my goals back in 2000, actually back in 2017 was to make sure everybody knew IDC existed and that there's, it's not a one-time thing. I mean, they can come here and, and ask for our help when they start a business or when they're beginning to invest, they can come back when they grow it. It's not a one in out. Um, it's great when we incentivize a company and they don't need us anymore, but so we can help other companies. But I think the biggest challenge we're all going to have is making sure 
that people know where to go to get these skills trained because the governor's workforce and you know next level workforce plan and the things he's doing are, are pretty phenomenal through workforce development and through uh secretary milo in the career and talent attraction and we just got to make sure we're getting out there we had thirty-one thousand eight hundred people came here in 2019 for jobs so the good news too is indiana is a cool place to live where planes stay and people from other states especially illinois as it was recently published in the chicago tribune they're coming here but we got to be ready for them and we got to be ready to give them the skills they need to fill the jobs we have and we have been working with Secretary Milo with our, our Community Recovery Coalition. She's been a, a, a stellar member of that. And uh, we have, through that group and through our to our members, pushed out that uh, recovery plan, uh, next step recovery plan, just to make sure that people are aware of that and, and see that as a resource. And as you uh, hopefully know, we've adopted the theme that for this year and going into next, that economic development is more important than ever uh, because we're trying to, to share the message with legislators and local elected officials that, you know, we're, government can't spend its way out of some of the economic challenges that the pandemic has created. Uh, we're going to have to grow, you know, those jobs, those opportunities, that tax base back um, and uh, that's why we think and we hope that, you know, that, that people maintain the uh, investment in IEDC and the investment in uh, all of the local economic developers because, you know, I think uh, collectively uh, we're the answer to how, how the state repairs some of the economic damage going forward by, by reinvesting and bringing those, those new opportunities in. So it has been a challenging year uh, for a little bit of everybody. So what do you think, uh, how do we move forward? Uh, how And how can we, IEDC and, and IEDA members, sort of work together now through, through the next phase of this and, and what's, what's next? You know, it's a, I really appreciate that question. Um, a lot. And the reason I appreciate it, I was, I talked to a group of CEOs this morning, the governor and I did on a podcast and I, I reminisced of my wife, you know, she was, she, we met at CSO and we've been married 30 years and she on her own decided she chose to not want to work for 18 years to raise three fine young American boys in our family. But uh, when she was getting ready to re-enter the workforce outside the house, she said, I, you know, I might go back, get my MBA. I said, why do you want to do that? She says, well, so I'll be just better prepared. So well, how about this? I'll give you your MBA right now. Spend less money than you make. There's your MBA, okay? So I, I say that, uh, and I don't mean to be facetious. I, I say that because it's blocking and tackling. And this is what I love about your membership and you, Lee. You get that, okay? It's, it's, it's really, while things change, things stay the same, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we still, it's blocking and tackling. It's getting out and doing the basic things that we've done in the past. We're going to do them in the future. The legislation has been behind Governor Holcomb from day one. Um, the leaders in both chambers are behind the governor. They know what we're doing. They've been very supportive of us. Then in turn allows us to be very supportive of you. And they're very supportive of all everything we're doing economic development wise. That's something I've been very um, happy about in this assignment is the support we get at the state house uh, and the importance of economic development. And they understand that uh, it, there's much more of an impact than just beyond numbers of jobs and capital investment and wages. There's a whole array of other things that happen in terms of keeping our economy um, vibrant uh, that happens. So I think we have to continue to do all the things we've been doing and look for opportunities to do new things. 
but but you know our 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 basic toolbox is still strong. You know our edge credits, our SEF credits. SEF we were told by site selectors sets us apart from almost every state in the country. Um, we looked at the uh, redevelopment tax credit. It's been a great closer for us on a lot of projects. We have to make sure that we retain all the things in our toolbox. Come up with new things that we can do to incentivize businesses because they create the jobs. We don't. Um, and I, I somebody said to me one time, "You're the job creator." I said, "No, I used to. There was a time when I did create." jobs back when I was in the private sector. But right now we don't create jobs. We support the businesses that make the courageous decisions and take the risk to make the jobs and create the jobs. And that's something that all your members should be so proud of because um, every day they get out of bed, they're changing people's lives around Indiana um, and they're helping people with their livelihoods. There can be no higher calling to your members than that. It's incredible. And I, I would venture to say, Lee, from time to time, they, they don't see that part of what they do and they should pat themselves on the back and feel really good about themselves because they're doing the work of magic in terms of what they're doing for people, especially in these times that retain their jobs. Our, our task is going to be to retain jobs, create more jobs, get people skilled up, and we're all in it together. And so I think that in terms of what will we do different, what do we see in the future, we see more of the same um, in terms of we've not slowed down whatsoever, and uh, we just have to do the things we know that are going to help uh, foster good economic development throughout the state. So I promised that we would, uh, we would talk about uh, the past a little bit before we, before we finished. Um, so you've been at this long enough to have some history and some trajectory. What are you most proud of that you've been able to accomplish up to this point, knowing that you will, you will have other successes in front of you? But, but up to this point, what's been your proudest moment at IEDC? Well, I, I would have to say what I what I basically just said a minute ago. I think the proudest thing is just really an umbrella of the fact that we serve the public. We serve. I, I never got to serve. I, I was in the private sector and enjoying that. And I never served in the military. I never served out in the public sector. And, and what we're doing is we're serving people. And so it's not a one specific thing I'm proud of. It's that overall thing. Um, and as I mentioned, that your members should be so proud of as well. Um, I'm proud of the vision that we created back in uh, 2017 that we shared with you that we presented to the board. Um, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, my philosophy I share with a lot of young people is everybody's your customer. If you can treat everybody as your customer, there's nothing you can't do. My wife's my customer. You're my customer. My kids are my customer. You go out to a restaurant, the person helping you is your customer. And, and you know, I see IDA um, and all your members, your Litos and Ritos, you're our customers. Um, and I will tell you in all candidness, that's, that's not a notion that everybody's held at IDC. And it's been something that surprised me, but I think that people now know where I stand on that. Um, and I think that, you know, it's been a little bit of an eye opener to understand this customer mentality. Um, we get nothing done without our Litos and Ritos around the state of Indiana. And in fact, I thought we were the same organization before I joined this organization. I go, well, you're talking about IDC. No, we're talking about IDA. Oh, IDA. Wasn't it IDC? And you know how naive I was to, to not understand they're two separate organizations, but the reality of it, Lee, as you know, you and I have talked about, we're one and we need to be working in unison with one another. And that's why I really appreciate your attendance at our board meetings, our executive sessions. Uh, I, and I appreciate you letting us be at your board meetings. 
And I think that we can't interact enough. To me, that's what we should be proud of, is that we're all pulled together, working for the common good of the whole. Can we talk about an emphasis project? Can we talk about an alliance steel? Can we talk about a GM expansion, Fiat Chrysler? Sure, we can talk about all those successes. They are all products of what I'm most proud of, and that's how we're doing our work. Um, and because of the way we're doing it, then we're accomplishing great things. So those successes come from what I'm most proud of, and that's how we're working together. Well, I appreciate all of that. Um, I appreciate your time. Uh, you've been very generous. Um, and I've pretty much driven the conversation up to this point. Is there anything that's uh, on your mind, in your heart, that you uh, want to share that I haven't uh, given you an opportunity to share today? The, the, the thing that comes to mind is I was asked the other day, and we get asked this question a lot, especially overseas, but we had a meeting with the Council Generals. Uh, Council General, obviously, they're uh, assistants to the ambassadors from all the foreign countries, and there's, they have regions in our region. Most of them are located up in the Chicago area for obvious reasons, and, and there's some, a couple of Italy and Canada and Detroit area. But I was up there hosting a luncheon because they were doing such hard work for our Indiana Global Economic Summit, which we're rescheduling for March of 2022. Uh, we had amazing response to that. It was going to be an all-out uh, program that we were going to be so proud of, and because of COVID, like so many other things we've had to postpone. But it was interesting, I get asked the question, well, what does Hoosier mean? And, and you get it all the time. Like, <laughs> and every single person in your membership gets it. I don't know. You know, I, I say I've been a, a, in Indiana 60 years. I just turned 60, so I've been here my whole life. I don't know what it means. And every, no one's ever given me a definition for it that I've been able to become secondhand nature to me. I mean, somebody said one time, somebody yelled across the Ohio River, how are you? And it came out as Hoosier. Uh, across the long uh, stretch of water. I, I just, I couldn't answer it. So I said, hard, uh, it, what's a Hoosier? Hard worker, ethical person, honest, genuine, um, real, um, proud. It, it, all these adjectives I would describe a Hoosier. And I said, and, and when you take all these things and the list is as long as my arm and then some, um, you know, I shouldn't even say my arm because my arms aren't very long, but they're, they're just, the list is so long of what, uh, what the qualities of a Hoosier. And in the end, they call it a Hoosier, you know, but I think um, I share with these CEOs today, the best asset we have in Indiana is our people by far. Uh, there's no question about it. And every time I, I've been proud in some of the service I've done in the past with say the CIB, Captain Approval Board and some others, that the accolades people get when they come to Indiana, if we could just spread that more wide and far than we do, everybody, they come here and say, the Indiana people are the nicest people they've ever been. I, I was staying in a hotel and I had to go to St. Elmo's. It was snowing out, it was cold. I had no idea where to go. I walked out of the hotel and somebody said, are you lost? I said, I need to go to St. Elmo's. And they said, well, there, I'll walk you there. They didn't give them directions, they walked them there. So we have a very special type of people in every corner of our state and every one of the 92 counties. And, and that's something to be proud of. And I think that, that the more we can share that story, the better, because that's where the rubber meets the road. I know I'm gonna get this quote wrong, but I just read it the other day. It was a quote from Kurt Vonnegut, a Hoosier. And he said, no matter where you travel in the world, you will find a Hoosier doing something good there. And I thought that was, uh, I thought that was a great quote. And, and again, you know, uh, yes, it, you're, you're, a good Hoosier in the state, but but you take part of that uh, that goodness and being a Hoosier wherever you happen to go. So, and that's a very nice observation. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's a generous comment, but I see it everywhere I go to. 
Well, so thanks, Jim, for your time. I appreciate that. Uh, today, I've been talking with Jim Schellinger, uh, the Secretary of Commerce for the state of Indiana. Uh, he serves as a member of Governor Holcomb's uh, cabinet, and he has been uh, ably leading Indiana's economic development efforts uh, for a number of years. Jim, thank you for all of your service and your leadership. Thank you, Lee, and thanks to your membership. I appreciate you guys. So this is Lee Llewellyn, and I want to make sure before I close out this podcast, I knew that I was misremembering the quote from Kurt Vonnegut, and I want to make sure that I get it right at least before I uh, close the podcast. So the correct quote from Kurt Vonnegut is, I don't know what it is about Hoosiers, but wherever you go, there is always a Hoosier doing something very important there. So... Now the record has been set straight. Thanks. This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved. Mm -hmm.